0: Bowman Chronicles podcast. Tonight we're coming to you from Willis Creek Farm, Bristol, Tennessee, Sullivan County here at the, our property and uh, have a, uh, a very special guest uh, who's been on with us before. Uh, his name is Stephen Goki, and Stephen uh, came on with us. Uh, he uh, actually uh, tracked the 200 inch uh, white tail that was killed by my friend Brandon Turnbow out in uh, Oklahoma and uh, Brandon shot the, the uh, deer with a uh, bow and uh, Stephen tracked the deer and, and actually found it uh, for Brandon so Stephen and I got to know each other on the podcast uh, it was, when he came on with uh, Brandon and I and told uh, his uh, his talk about his tracking dogs and his tracking stories but Steve uh, had a very intriguing conversation with me um, after our last podcast about a hunt that he had uh, had been on and had an encounter that he had, and in the month of January here on the Bowman Chronicles, we are going to uh, have a series of podcasts called Dangerous Hunts, and this will be the first one, and Stephen, I really appreciate you coming on tonight and uh and telling your story and I appreciate you being here.
1: Well, it uh I appreciate you having me on and uh, always like uh listening to people's stories and getting to share mine uh, when people ask and you asked and uh, I'll oblige you and share the story.
0: <laughs> well I like I said, I do appreciate it and you know these types of stories uh as a hunter, I know how hard they are to uh actually talk about. Uh as hunters, we uh you know, we don't get scared uh and if we do get scared, we kinda you know i'm just type like, I just kind of put it in the back of my mind and like you know hey it's it happened, and it, it it's it has gone, and you know probably never happened again, and I'm just gonna you know forget about it so I you know and move forward but uh but I know uh this particular uh encounter that you had was with a grizzly bear. And uh, so I'll let you, uh, Steve, go into the story and and tell everyone uh, what happened. And man, I I will tell you this: uh, you know, I just heard a little bit of what you told me uh, last, you know, on the last podcast that we did together. And man, it sent chills up my spine. So uh, I'll let you uh, I'll let you tell the story.
1: Well, you can imagine uh, you hearing the story puts chills on up your spine. Uh, being there front and center was. Uh was uh, you know it, it was a it was a, uh, a situation I hoped I had never been in uh, and I wouldn't wish it upon anybody but uh, went uh a year ago this September I went on an elk hunt uh, up in Wyoming on a guided hunt and uh, it was about a no 11 twelve day hunt get there and uh, what's kind of funny I didn't tell you this part but uh, show up and uh, Wyoming game and fish is in camp and they've got a, they're carrying this contraption around and being a, a guy from Oklahoma, you know, I, what the heck is that thing? Well, there's a trap. They've had bears in camp. And so immediately, uh, I'm, I'm already getting a little bit amped up, you know, day one. And and here's Wyoming game and fish bringing a trap into camp to try and trap a bear. Um, I had a buddy of mine who did this same trip the year before and he had a grizzly encounter, uh, over, an, over an elk that he had shot. Uh, they weren't able to pull it out the, the day that he shot. It got, it got dark. And so they came back the next day. And when they came back the next day, there was a grizzly on that. So I'm already on uh, high alert DEFCON seven when I enter the state <laughs> of, my, you know, we're there the, uh, the first night in camp and, uh, I'm, Laying there in bed in my cot, and there's probably all oh, 10, 12 camp dogs around the camp. And everybody is kind of like Christmas, you know, nothing was stirring, not even a mouse. And the next thing you know, there's a grizzly in the house. Well, not every bear is a grizzly, but that particular night, the dog started barking, and uh, I just hear claws running across the ground. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And it's uh, the only thing between me and what's running outside that tent. As a canvas wall. So woke up the next morning and, you know, asked if they had, you know, what had happened. It didn't, they caught the bear or anything. And no, no, hadn't, hadn't caught the bear. Dogs chased him a couple times in and out of camp that night. So that was, that was night one. And that continued to happen for the next all oh, three or four nights. Um, and, uh, about day, I guess it was day six. Uh, my guide and I had, uh, Trailered out to where we were going to hunt. We were on horseback. We took off that morning. We're in dark. We get back up in there. And I don't know, have you ever hunted elk off
0: horseback? You know, Steve, I have not. I have only, uh, I've used pack mule, but I've never actually, you know, packed in on horses. Uh, We've always, you know, it's always been, you know, either uh, by foot or, uh, you know, as far as we could go on, on ATVs.
1: Well, I'm telling you when you, we would go in and out every day off of horses and I tell you what, it's going to be hard for me. The last two years I've done it on horseback. It's going to be hard for me to walk in after being on a horse for the last two years. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so we're, we're walking in and it, it's kind of funny, you know, you think you really have to be quiet and, you know, otherwise you're going to start bumping elk and, and you're, you're, but what's crazy is, is when you're walking along in there and those horses are breaking those branches and trees and walking, that kind of stimulates those elk. Of course, you're there during bow season and it's, you know, the rut's hitting pretty hard. So we're, we're there. It's probably about eight thirty nine in the morning and we have a bull sound off as we're walking through the, through the trees, uh, with our horses. And, uh, so we pop off the horses, the guide kind of goes back Oh, probably 60 or 70 yards. And I advanced forward towards the elk and kind of find a spot to set up. And we played this game of cat and mouse with this elk for probably 30, 45 minutes. The guide's moving around. I'm moving around. The elk is, you know, he would bugle and then he would go to a different location. And we had a really good spot where we had a little draw in between us. We were kind of tucked in so we could get away with a little bit of movement. After about 45 minutes or so, we kind of, I felt the wind hit the back of my neck. And you know, you well know when you're elk hunting and that elk's in front of you and that wind hits the back of your neck, it's game over. And sure enough, that elk was about 50 yards in front of me. He takes off. Well, my guide comes up and he says, Hey, uh, I know where he's going. Let's get back on the horses and we'll just kind of walk him down. I said, okay. So I throw the bow back in the scabbard on the horse. We get on the horses and we take off walking. Now, mind you, at this point, we're about 13 miles back up in the mountains, uh, further than further than anybody would want to walk. Uh, you know, trying to carry something out—that'd be a heck of a pack out uh, if you get one down and you're in there with just on foot. Uh, so oh, that's yeah. what about the horses. Uh, so we take off and and we ride all probably. I'm going to guess probably 10. 12 minutes on horseback and we're on this ridge line and it's nothing but rocks where we're at we're going across this ridge and there's a little a little knob that we're gonna have to go up and over my guys in front of me and uh man his horse all of a sudden is just being real stubborn and i'm kind of sitting there watching him and he's kind of he's kind of putting a heel in her side and She finally decides to go up over this knob, and so my horse starts to follow, and he stops his horse, and he turns around, and he says, there he is. Well, I don't hear very well, (laughs) with those (laughs) horses flicking around on those rocks and stuff, I look at him, and I said, what? And he said, there he is. So about that time, I'm starting to swing my leg over my horse and get my bow out of the scabbard. And the next thing I know, his horse has done an about face and has dropped its backside and is heading up a hill. I turn and look as this is going on. And like I said, I'm standing up in the saddle at this point about to throw a leg over to get off of it. The next thing I see is this big brown ball of hair coming at us. And it looks oh. like Mike Phelps doing the butterfly or doing the bre- the, yeah, the butterfly. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, I I know what's happening. The only thing I can do is just start screaming. Wow. And you make some, uh, (laughs) I wish I had a recording of it. (laughs) You don't realize that (laughs) I (laughs) think that those primal sounds that start coming out of you. So I'm screaming, hey, 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 hey. Or at least that's what I think I'm screaming. There's no telling what I was screaming. (laughs) Well, once that bear gets up, where he can see what's happening, he does an about-face. and He does like a 90-degree turn, and he's going across. And my horse is just, by the grace of God, is not startled, not alarmed, not anything. He's just kind of sitting there. And as that bear runs in front of me, that horse is just turning with that bear. And that bear was within the length of the tail of my guide's horse. That's how close he was when I started yelling. And for whatever reason, bluff charge, we surprised it once he got up there and he saw two of us instead of one of us. I don't know what happened, but he turned. I'm telling you right now, that thing, you don't realize how much gray hair a grizzly bear has. This happened so fast, but in my mind, it was kind of like the matrix. You could just see everything happening in slow motion. And I'm watching as this bear's running. I'm watching that hair kind of fold in and fold out on this bear, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, we're, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but that bear turned. He, he I mean, I, I can just I can remember him today. He was running; it wasn't, but probably about six yards in front of me when that bear turned and did a 90 degree turn and took off. Um, my guide finally, once his horse got turned, you know, settled down. He got him turned around. That bear was off in the bushes. And uh, my guide was a young guide. And uh, he said, where'd he go? And I looked at him and I said, I don't give two shits where that bear went. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> I, I looked at him and I said, if you think he was upset when you scared him, we go busting off in that brush and we go after him. We're going to have our hands full. Now, we both had pistols on us, but it happened so fast. You can't, you, you couldn't get drawn down on him. I mean it just it it, it if people don't understand and I didn't understand until I had the experience and I wish I didn't have the experience but it happened so fast that you think well you ought to be able to get your gun at a holster and pull it and no it, 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 there's no way no I I couldn't do it they can move so fast and like I said they, they move so fast and I was so surprised I thought I was getting off the damn horse to shoot an elk because when yeah. he said when he said there he is what he said was was there's a grid. and like I said, I don't hear so well, so they both sound alike. Yeah. And then when when this little deal happened, of course my heart's beating out of my chest, and uh, you know your whole life flashes before you. You know I'm thinking, my God, I'm not going to make retirement. I'm fixing to die right here on this mountain. And I looked at my guide and I said. When in the hell did we start naming species of bears? Why didn't you just say bear instead of there's a grizz? And he looked at me and just started smiling, you know, as only a thirty year old kid could do. And uh, I thought, you know what, that's not. I don't think this is the situation we need to be laughing about or smiling about. I'm about ready to get off his horse and start stoning
0: you with rocks. If there (laughs) wasn't a damn bear around here, I would do it. (laughs) And you know like you say, you know, you're talking about, you know, you're sitting there on the horse, and I mean, and this bear is false charging you, right? Yeah. yeah. A- and so, I mean, at that point, you don't know that he's he's false charging. You don't know if he's going to stop. You don't know if he's going to turn. You don't really know what he's going to do because it's a startled grizzly bear. And I, yeah. I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine what was going through your mind. And I mean, in that moment, what I guess, how, how close did he get? I know you said he was in the tails length, but, and you can see his, his, his muscles rolling. So, I mean, how close was he to you? So, like I
1: said, from the guide, however long a horse's tail is, what, three foot? Yeah. That's how close he got to the guide. And he was probably, Maybe twice that distance, maybe three times he might have been six to nine feet away um, no no more than probably three or four yards um I mean enough that i can and I, I can vividly remember I can hear him when he's doing that when he's running he's got that kind of that groan to him, yeah, and you can see the moisture on his nose, and it's it's amazing, I mean, I don't wear glasses because I have twenty twenty vision without them. Um, and I don't hear very well. Like I said, just from all the years of, of being in, you know, working construction and railroad, and but it's amazing how much your senses kick in when you get in danger like that. They really become hypersensitive.
0: I cannot imagine the adrenaline that was going through you at the time when, I mean, especially when he when he said that, and you thought he said, "There he is," and he says, "There's the grid." And you're getting ready to get off the horse, get your bow because you think it's the L. Yes, absolutely. I, I honestly and, thought back on that L. That's what I thought. Yeah. When the Grizz turned and you uh, and, and he false charges and then he turns, did you, did you see I mean, when he went outside, did he stop at any point or did he just, I mean, did he just kind of disappear into the brush or, I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure that the adrenaline at that point had that was so far taken over, and you couldn't. You're glad to see that he had turned the other direction. I'm sure, but you know, it's I, I can't believe that the horses did not react. You know, in a worse way than that. Well, yeah. So when he took off, there was we're on we're sitting on top of this ridge,
1: and there is a timber patch that he ran into and that timber patch is probably, I'm going to say probably half the size of a football field. And then where it comes out on the backside, we couldn't see that. So I'm assuming because he went into it full speed. I'm assuming he just cleared that timber patch and kept running. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I can promise you, I was, uh, you know, like you said, we're lucky the horses, you know, didn't do something crazy, throw us off. Uh, you know, it, you, can you imagine getting thrown off a horse and being unconscious and waking up and there's a grizzly bear eating you alive?
0: Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, like you and I have talked, um, the grizzly bear population in these areas in the west, and uh, I'm hunting southwest Montana, and I'm actually going back out there next year in 24. The grizzly bear populations, and, uh, you know, and you and I talked about this a little bit, uh, after our last podcast you know people don't understand they need to open the season back up on bears because i think now montana just this year it's up to four people i think three people died for the fourth one i i read about it was a hunter um who was uh badly mauled just a few weeks ago and uh i mean the population of them is uh, i mean it it has grown immensely over the past five
1: right and you know no doubt i'm a visitor in that bear's territory so i put myself in that situation and i knew going into this hunt i'd you know done a little bit of research like most guys do when they go on a big hunt um where we were hunting in that particular part of wyoming that you know, borders, you know, Montana there, that is the highest population or one of the highest populations of grizzly in the lower 48.
0: So I knew what to expect. I just didn't think it would come to fruition. We don't know. And, and, you know, uh, every time that I've been to Montana and we, uh, we had a bear follow us. Um, I never saw the bear. My guide knew that he had been following us. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine what you felt like actually having that encounter and having that bear false charge you because I know how I felt just knowing that that, that there was one actually behind us at some point on this elk hunt I was on because, man, it, it gave me, you know, you, you – really think about it at that point you know and uh, uh so Steve, how big was the bear i mean um uh, i mean i know you know you it's hard to judge uh, you know a bear as as far as poundage and things like that it's about impossible to do it in that situation but how big was the bear uh from a, a physical standpoint of, of describing
1: well you want my version of it or do you want the guy's version of it because there are two completely <laughs> <laughs> uh, world record there's no there hasn't been a bigger grizzly and in, in ever known to man um, now in all reality uh, when I asked my guide you know I'm like so how big and he said that bear was five to six hundred pounds and I, I've got to take his word on it because I, I mean I, I saw the bear he saw it when it was sitting down below that knob and we actually startled him he was kind of getting underneath some logs and some grubs. So he had a chance to kind of look at him for a minute. Um, so, and I don't have any experience of judging, uh, you know, a bear on the, you know, on the hoof or on the foot. Um, so I'm going to take his word for it and what he said. Uh, I did have a couple more experiences with black bear uh, while I was on this hunt. And, uh, you know, I almost wanted to pet them after I had that grizzly bear encounter. They were they seem pretty docile comparatively, uh, but those black bear were probably 150 200 pounds, and I know that that grizzly bear was at least two and a half three times their size.
0: And then you know, when you talk about a grizzly bear and a, and a and a black bear, you know two totally different demeanors of the bear species. So, you, know, uh, you know, when you all startled that grizzly bear, that's a bad thing. Uh, because that's, you know, that's when that that bad things are going to happen. You, you know, when you start a one or when you get between mama and her cubs, of course it's that way with any bear, with mama and cubs, but when you start with grizzly bear, that's, uh, you know, that's when typically bad things happen. Uh, and no doubt, I mean,
1: that was it. So when that, after that encounter happened and we we kind of got our bearings, We took off riding, uh, for about 30 minutes and, uh, I made sure I pointed our asses in the opposite direction. That bear went, um, so we took off and we rode for about 30 minutes and when we stopped, we had lunch and, uh, you know, of course we obviously had to do a bathroom break because, uh, we, we start eating lunch and get done eating our lunch and I looked over and, uh, my guide has gotten you know we're off our horses we're sitting down eating and we're talking and we're kind of getting underneath some shade trees there sun's starting to you know get on us and uh, look over there and he falls asleep he's probably 40 50 yards away from the horses he's got his you know his pistol sitting over there i take them horses and i tie them up and i'm not kidding you them horses could absolutely if they stood end to end would touch i took my backpack off and i laid down between them horses i didn't care if them horses peed or crapped on me i was laying in between them because i figured they would know what was coming if if that because in my mind that bear's coming back oh yeah and so i laid down in between them horses and i didn't sleep at all i'm sitting there thinking i don't know how this guy's sleeping like for three hours he slept over there and he got up and it was like it never even happened and i'm like you realize like 30 minutes and I don't know how far you can ride on a horse in 30 minutes, 30 minutes in the mountains. Uh, I can't, I can't be in too far, but it's well within range of that grizzly to turn around after he got, you know, maybe get a little curious. Well, what was that? Let me go back over there and see that. And, uh, like I said, we sat there for about three hours and then we hunted our way back to the truck. And of course, when we hunt our way back, we've got to go right back past where we encountered, um, or in that area. So, when we went through there, if the elk weren't bugling or we weren't doing any kind of locating calls or anything, I had that pistol in my hand with one chambered uh, as we were riding through and anything that we got into any kind of uh, oak brush or any kind of willow brush or anything where it was up as, you know, as high as the horse's back and there's a game trail through it. I had that pistol out of my holster and I had it in my hand just waiting. And I
0: can't, you know, And I don't blame you, and I can't imagine because I would have been the same way. I mean, the ones that that happens to you as a hunter, like I say, I know how I felt just knowing that there was a a grizz in the area that we were in when when I was in Montana. That was actually in 2016 when it happened to me. But, you know, I know how I felt. I can imagine, and I I have never seen a, a grizzly bear, in, in the wild we we didn't see the bear you know when I was there and uh I've been to Montana uh twice <laughs> coming up next year will be my third trip out there uh but uh you know the once that you know you see it and it happens to you I I mean I, I can't imagine I would be the same way I I would I would have my back to every tree and like you said <laughs> between the horses I would uh I mean, I, I, I would I would have been in the same same situation. I would have done exactly what you did.
1: Uh you know, anybody that, that hunts in, in uh that northwest part of, of Wyoming they have uh one less hunter that'll be drawn for a tag in that area. I'll hunt Wyoming. I'm just not going back over there. Uh so you got one less hunter going in that area.
0: <laughs> and Reno, you know, I Rightfully so, I don't. Uh, I don't blame you a bit. It's it, you know, that that's tough, man. I mean, you know, from a mental aspect, you know, you're you're in those areas, and I mean, it's always in the back of your mind. You know, what's you know, what followed me, or what, especially after what happened to you, I, you know, I can't imagine. And uh, you know, you talk about the populations out there, and the and the area that you're in, and the concentrations of the grid. Anyway, you know, like you say, we are, and you know, you're going into their territory. I mean, it's their territory, and uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's dangerous, man. I mean, that is, uh, those are, uh, those are dangerous places and dangerous, definitely dangerous situations to be in. Cause, I mean, you could have lost your life.
1: Yeah, and we, yeah, we were fortunate, and like I said, we were 13 miles back up in there. I mean, if anything happens to a guide and his horse, you know, or if something were to happen to me, the, the big thing is, is you're not going to let your buddy or the guy you're with go down. You're both going to be in there fighting. And so, I mean, that could have had a way different outcome. Uh, we didn't lose any stock on that trip. Neither one of us got hurt. Um, I don't know if you could have drawn it up any better. And I'm sure that probably only plays out that way about one in a million times or one in a thousand uh, and I'm just very fortunate that that's how that played out that particular time.
0: Yeah. I, and, I, you know, you read about uh, the Western uh, States and the hunting, you know, and I love to hunt the West. Uh, just like, you know, all of us do. And, uh, but uh, I mean, those encounters are becoming more frequent, definitely more frequent over the past five years. Now, you know, I'm sure that there's bear encounters out there that uh, are people doing things they shouldn't be doing, and they're in places they shouldn't be. You know, they're are outside of hunting, and you know they're you know they're trying to get close to a bear. Uh, I mean, you see them in Yellowstone trying to get close to the bears, or or you know, people are feeding them or whatever. But um, you know, when you go through the experience that you had, I mean, man, that's a game changer. And I, I can't, uh, I can't imagine, you know, uh, how you, uh, you know, how you felt probably for, and then probably still feel, of course, but I mean, I can't imagine for, you know, weeks or months or, you know, after that, um, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you thought about it a lot.
1: Oh, sure. Uh, once we got, you know, when we got, uh, to where we ate lunch, I sent a text to my wife and luckily I had, I had a little bit of signal up there and I sent her a text. I said, Hey, uh, we had an incident. Nobody's hurt. Uh, as soon as I get back down to the truck where we've got cell reception, I'll call you. And I said, we're going to finish out the day hunting. So everything is good. And of course, you know, that sparked about a jillion questions from her. And I'm like, listen, I've got, I've got, um, my phone going here. I've got you know a solar charger on it. I'm trying to keep everything up for my maps on my phone, and then I have a GPS on my watch too. But I'd much rather have my Onyx going on my phone to follow maps and stuff. Um, so, uh, of course, once I got back down to the truck and all the way back to camp, uh, you know, it was it was about uh, 45 minutes worth of Q and A from my wife, and her big thing was is are you going to stay? And I'm like, do you know how much money I've spent on this trip? I'm not leaving. Like I'm scared to death, but I'm not leaving. Like I'm staying here and hunt. Oh yeah. And uh, she said, well, you must not be too scared. And I said, I, I don't know that I've ever been more scared in my life, but, uh, <laughs> I'm going to hunt. Um, but you know, you, you talk about the population and the frequency of these attacks, you know, that, uh, what is it the, the, uh, ESA the Endangered Species Act that's that they have uh, in Wyoming and in Montana on these grizzly bears and you know they talked about opening up a season this year in Wyoming and then they kind of stalled it out in court uh, to maybe where they can get it in 2024 but you know
0: uh, I'll always hunt I'll always fish Um, but I think some of these people that are
1: protecting these animals maybe they need an experience you know maybe if we took one of these animals and turned it loose in their neighborhood they would kind of understand a little bit better of of what it takes you have to manage a population you can't just let it get out of control i mean you look at what's going on in california with the mountain lions people are walking in their neighborhoods and their animals are getting attacked you see it on uh on any kind of social media they're walking up on people's back porches and right now i think and you can correct me if i'm wrong i think the state agency is sending out what they call uh, specialists or snipers to go hunt these but they're not having a season on them there and they've been protected for so long that now they're thriving in that environment it's time to do some kind of management on them
0: and you know we talk about uh, and you're you're hundred percent, a hundred percent correct. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, Colorado, there is a uh, there is a bill or, or something that's been set forth or trying to get passed in Colorado that's going to make uh, line hunting illegal with dogs. And you know, which is, I mean, if you're hunting a mountain lion, that's the only way you're going to hunt. I mean, uh, it's, it's it's pretty much impossible to kill a mountain lion without dogs uh but the populations of mountain lions grizzlies like you say in california the lions they are the populations are getting, are getting so high because they're not managed that they are getting into more and more into human um you know territories and and and, and uh you know interacting more with humans and uh and it's not a good thing that's for sure um, and. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I haven't got to read much here for the past while about what's going on in Colorado and the dog hunting, you know, they're trying to stop it with uh, the mountain lions. Uh, you're you're going to see more and more encounters and more and more people die uh, uh, with grizzly and, and, and mountain lions as, as those, you know, if if you do not go, like you say, manage those those, those populations, and you know, I, I appreciate as an out-of-state hunter and a non-resident being able to go to those states and draw the tags and hunt there. And you know, I'm so appreciative of that. And you know, the the people there welcome you as a non-resident. And you know, I understand if they do, you know, open these, uh, especially you know the, the grizzly. Honey, uh, it's going to be you know mostly residents that uh, for a long time that get to hunt the bears i'm totally you know respectful of that and we'll be happy for those hunters to get to, to do that in those states but uh, but it does need to, it does need to happen
1: yeah i i i don't it wouldn't bother me if it was a resident only hunt that that doesn't bother me at all just as yeah. long as i hunt them. and you know I it's it's a cliche but you know, nobody does more for conservation than hunters, uh, they've raised more money for, for more species to, to preserve the species and, and, uh, to make sure that they thrive, you know, that there's no, no other entity out there that's put more money into conservation than the hunters. You guys like the Rocky mountain elk foundation, um, you know, you can go on and on with the different foundations, um, that do that put the money up for conservation to open up more land um so it's it's not that we're out here trying to kill everything that steps in front of us we want to we want to preserve it uh for future generations at least i mean i'm pretty sure that's how i think i probably speak for most hunters um but i mean it's no different than if we don't if we don't hunt elk and they continue to thrive, and they get herds so big they start mowing down any of the the you know the natural resources for other animals to live. They have to be managed as well, just like the deer. So, um, yeah, if they want to open up a season in those states and, and limit it to residents only, I'm all for it. Sign, you know, show me where I need to vote for those people to hunt them, and I'll vote
0: for them. Most definitely. Most definitely. and you're, you know, you, when you say that uh, you know hunters are, and that, and we do. I mean, you know, as a as a hunter, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a conservationist, and you know, I I I want to see the herds thrive, and I want to see them be healthy. I want to see them, you know, uh, just be plentiful in in their their habitat. But you know, like you say, they, they 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 also, and I'm a firm believer of who they have. It has to be managed, and uh, and it has to be managed well. Unfortunately, there's some people making some decisions on these, um, uh, you know, on these laws and, and, uh, and, and regulations that never hunted before. Right. They really right. don't know what they're, they really don't know what they're making this decision on. And, and it, it may be that they think they're making a decision on this. People want to go out and kill these animals, you know, and put them on the wall, whatever. Right.
1: Well, I would like to think that the people that are making those decisions have advisors that are well versed and impartial, either way, that are giving them the information that they need to make a decision. I would like to not think that it is uh, a lobbyist putting money in somebody's pocket or you know, kind of that that type of deal that's going on. I would like to think that that it's a very educated decision that's going on, and I think you know there was a time and a place. For you know the endangered species act on on that particular animal, I think now it's time to, to lift that and uh, you know go out and do some management on it
0: and, and I, I totally agree, and it's all about making sound educated decisions on how to do it right and and what the numbers are and you know what you know where it needs to start and and what those harvest numbers need to be. You know, and through conservation, that's our way to do it. I, I agree with
1: 100%. You know, I never thought I would see a uh, a bear season in Oklahoma, but Oklahoma has a bear season. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't think of bears being in Oklahoma, but, you know, on the southeast part of the state, there's a huntable population. Um and I don't have those numbers in front of me, what the harvest is, um, the numbers are, but I, you know, you got to check it every day before you go out. Um, and it's turned into just like anything else. It's a way for, uh, Oklahoma to make some money, um, for, for guys coming in to hunt. Um, so there's, there's that benefit of it too. There's, you know, money coming in to manage that resource, to help, other resources along that you know game and fish area so uh like i said i never i never thought i would see a honey population of bear in oklahoma now they're black bear yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, there are bear in oklahoma um so uh, and if we can if we can somehow figure it out here where they're not necessarily as prevalent as they are you know in wyoming and montana and idaho and stuff like that surely they can figure that deal out
0: yeah i agree and you know we have a uh you know we we have a huge population of black bear here in our area in you know uh, northeast tennessee southwest virginia and western north carolina uh, and you know i've read about your all's regulations there in oklahoma and it is neat how they do that because they You know they keep up with the harvest, and then they cut it off at some at at a certain point. The ones that I guess the check numbers get to that point—is that correct?
1: Yes, yes. So every morning or evening before you go out to hunt, you've got to check and see if the quota has been made. And you know, say I don't know what the number is; just throw a number out there. Say it's twenty-five, and you go out that evening, and there's twenty-three been checked in. By the end of the evening, there may be twenty-seven checked in. You know, because you know, you never know how many people are going to actually get a bear down that evening. But then they shut it down. You know, and like, hey, bear season's over
0: at that point.
1: So, yeah, twenty-five the number, twenty-seven was the harvest. um You know, so you just because you I mean you know how that works when you go out, you don't know how many people are going to harvest that night. And if the, if it's still open to hunt, you know, depending on how quick they go and get to that animal after they've you know got it down and then they get it checked in it takes a little while for all of that to happen um so you know you can have a few extra in there but it's pretty well managed
0: yeah and I think that's a great way to do it you know here uh we you know if so I buy I'm a Virginia resident and my property is actually on the Tennessee side it's only 15 minutes from my my permanent residence but, uh, so I have, you know, Virginia license, hunt license, and a Tennessee hunt license. Um, but you get a one bear tag per year, you know, with your, your tag. So you, we have a whitetail tag, and you get one bear tag. It's the same in Virginia. So it's kind of a little bit different, but they, uh, you know, and then they, uh, document the, you know, the harvest each year. And, uh, I think they do a really good job of uh, of managing. You know, we're—I'll say—the population is getting uh, more and more because of not You know, we don't. We we've got more whitetail hunters than we do bear hunters in our areas, of course, as most areas do. But uh, you know, I I love the bear hunt, and uh, uh, but it's uh, you know I, I I do think our our. Uh, uh, our wildlife management in in their areas here are doing a good job with it as it sounds like they are in, in a home
1: yeah they've they've uh they, they've done really well um you know and it, you're not going to please everybody um you got to do what you think is best for the majority and what makes sense and and just be able to go back and and revisit some of those things as situations change you know you and i talked about whitetail hunting on the last podcast you know in my opinion, we're living in the good old days of whitetail hunting. I mean, we've got more whitetail in this country than we've ever had. Uh, so I just hope that that it, it continues and that my kids and my grandkids will have the opportunities that I'm having right now. Now that might be a little bit far fetched, but as far as I'm concerned, we're living in the good old days of whitetail hunting.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, you know, we our whitetail populations here are you know really good. Uh, and, and like, you know, our bear populations are really good. And I, I'm the same way, you know, I hope our children and grandchildren have those same opportunities that, uh, they know that we, we're having right now. Um, you know, like I say, you don't never, you never know, you know, what, what the future holds, but, uh, uh but, you know, it, there is a, uh, I, I agree, white population is very abundant right now, uh, across the United States.
1: Yeah, we you know we were talking you know Colorado they've got their own their own issues that they're going through right now with the wolves.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, I just saw the other day on social media, which to me seemed kind of far south. Uh, but there was a, a hunter who is uh, well known who came across a full fledged grizzly bear in southern Colorado, in the San Juan Mountains, and we vacationed there. And it never even crossed my mind that, you know, first of all, Colorado's not supposed to have any grizzly bears. Second of all, to be that far down, uh, you know, and that's just the one that you've seen, who knows how many more there are, but uh, there's, you know, uh, substantial video that this guy has on it. Now, I mean, he could have said he was in Colorado and he could have been in Montana for all I know, but I don't, uh, I don't suspect
0: this guy would, would make it up. Right. Yeah. And and you know as well as I do, if there was one, there's more. Right. Um so Stephen, before we close, if you had some advice if one piece of advice to give to other hunters out there who are going into these areas to hunt those that, that are, you know, do have a population of grizzly bears. Uh, that uh, that the areas that, you know you're in what would be your advice to uh, to them to to you know if these encounters happen what to do uh
1: you know i'm <laughs> i'm not a bear spray guy um i just i'm not if you give me a choice between a gun and bear spray i'm going to be the guy that picks the gun every time Um, I would, I would make sure that, that you have a sidearm with you, um, and you've got a couple of different ways that you can make outside communication in reach, uh, Garmin makes a deal called in reach, uh, satellite, uh, GPS text messaging, some way that you can respond. If, if that instance happens, um, you you know, just. You know, make sure you're efficient with a pistol. Um, you know, I would. I, I, there's no way that I mean, I didn't go. I went in there with the sidearm, and I still didn't have time to draw the sidearm. Um, and I don't know that that I could have done anything had I had I drawn it. Anyways, uh, I, I want to say yes. Uh, that's what my gut instinct says. But you know, just any time, any direction, anywhere, just be ready for it. Uh, just just expect it to happen every time you walk out and you know be sensible If if you're hunting in the evening uh and you get an animal down just mark it on your gps don't worry about trying to get it that night um you know if you can get in there and start working on it and get out when you can get out in the daylight and come back and get it the next day uh that's what i would do and what i would would recommend somebody do if you've got stock with you. Um, whenever you got that animal down and you're working on that animal, I would tie those horses up or those llamas or mules, whatever you've got, I would tie them up right there around that animal while you're working on them. Um, just to give the presence that there's a bunch of things going on in that area, uh, to make sure that, you know, I, I don't know if If size or numbers matter, but if a bear walks up on it and sees, you know, a couple of horses or a couple of mules or, you know, and a guy down there working on it, maybe they'll think twice before coming in there. And if nothing else, those animals are going to alert you that there is uh, something coming at you. And just to make sure when you're working on those animals, keep your sidearm or your bush gun right there handy.
0: Steve, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Uh, and you know sharing it there all of our listeners and i'm uh you know we're so glad that it turned out the way it did and you know not the, not how it could have uh, but uh, thank you for being here and uh, wish you well the rest of the season i know our season here is um, coming to a close here in the next you know couple three weeks so uh but i uh, hope you and your family have a great christmas too and uh, as we approach the holidays here so uh but uh thank you for being here man and thanks for sharing the story it's uh, it's a great story to listen to and uh you know it's just uh it's exciting uh but um you know it could it could have been a lot worse uh but uh i'm I'm glad it went the way it did
1: yeah i appreciate you having me on and uh you know plan on doing some more of these with you if uh can kill some more deer we'll go look for them (laughs)
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I'm mean, I'm sure he's still after it. So, you know, but, uh, we will uh, definitely get back on here in the next few weeks. But uh, thanks for, uh, for sharing your story and uh, hope you have a great evening, man. And I will talk to you soon.
1: Okay. Sounds good, Mark. All right. Thanks, Stephen. Uh-huh. Bye
0: bye. Okay. See you, buddy. Folks, I'm Mark Bowman, and you have been listening to the Bowman Chronicles podcast. We appreciate you being with us. And you can find our podcast on all your favorite platforms, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Amazon, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your favorite podcast. we should be there. So we appreciate you listening. Leave us a comment. Let us know how we're doing and how you like the podcast. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Poe Chronicles. We appreciate you being here, and we will talk to you next time.